Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and today we're going to talk about mistakes I've made over my life in caring for cats. You know, I think it's, it's something we all do, obviously. We, we all make mistakes, not only in caring for our cats, but, you know, we'll do something often in moderation that's harming our bodies a little bit. And then one day we get a wake-up call in the form of an irreversible disease or condition. And we go, darn it, if I just hadn't drank all those Diet Cokes or whatever it is, right? (laughs) (laughs) And and this is happening too with our pets, you know? And, um, and, and so I've learned a lot. I mean, in, in the many, many generations of cats I've had, I learned a lot, and I learned a lot the hard way. And so I thought this would be a good episode to just share with you the mistakes I've made and helping me to get through this regurgitation of my blunders is my handsome husband and co-host, Dewey Vaughn. Hello, my beautiful love, and hello to all of you out there in the big cat world. Wow, I can't believe you would say that. I think you just do an amazing job with everything you do. You put your heart and soul into everything, and I'm sure that everybody makes mistakes along the way, but I would say that you know nobody tries harder to not make mistakes than you. I think you're a great cat mom, sometimes probably a little too great if you want to call it that. <laughs> I don't think so, but you know, you provide every every little thing for Pico. You're always watching, you're always paying attention, close attention to him. And so um, I think you're a great cat mom. Well, I appreciate that. But I wasn't always, you know, the the path to being a good or great anything, cat mom, wife, right? <laughs> you know, employee, that kind of stuff is, is paved with with mistakes and and things that we tried or did along the way, either not knowing better or or whatever, and uh, and we learned from them. And so, you know, that's that's kind of what this is about. You know, I thought I knew everything about cats. I I had owned cats my whole life. I, you know, I spent decades at the shelter. Uh, and I, when I went to go get my certification, I thought, oh, I can test out of this program. And I contacted them and I said, do you have like a, like an equivalency test? I can test out and just get my certification without having to go through all this stuff. So I'll pay the same amount of money. I just, you know, save me the time. And they said, no, we, we don't. And I, uh, I was shocked at how much I didn't know. And you know, I I tell people this when when we're at parties, like we were at a birthday party yesterday, and ladies were chatting cat stuff with me, and I said, you know, we just cat parents don't know how much they don't know, and why isn't this information readily available, and why don't manufacturers help provide products and food that are better suited to our cats? Because you know, the key to having any species thrive in your care is providing it 
avenues so it can express its natural behavior. And in a cat's situation, you know, it's it, it, they're still so wild. They really haven't evolved all that much that we really need to understand what their species is like and what it needs and provide as much of an environment that would be like its natural environment in the home setting. And I certainly wasn't doing that. You know, I've made lots of mistakes along the way and and I've harmed cats in my care because of it, not on purpose, but because I didn't I didn't know better. So, you know, the idea behind today's episode was just that I wanted to share some of these stories and help our listeners from preventing and, you know, keep them from making the same mistakes that I did. Oh, that sounds great. So give us some example. What's the worst mistake you've made? Well, the, the, the top of the list worst mistake I made was feeding dry food. Right. I, I didn't know better. And just like everybody else, I'm like, well, you feed cats dry food. It's what we do. So I had this giant bin, one of those big metal popcorn tin bins, you know, that had a lid and it was cute. It had little cats painted on the side and I had it full of cat food. I remember <clears throat> when I would refill it. All my cats, I had four cats at the time, all the cats would gather around and and eat off the top of it. And I always thought it was so cute and I'd take pictures of it and stuff. Well, what happened was my my orange cat at the time, Indiana, he started urinating outside the litter box and it was bloody. And I said, okay, he's got a bladder infection. Took him to the vet and they're like, no, there's no, there's no bacteria in the bladder. And I'm like, well, what's going on? And I said, well, we, we can't really, there's nothing that we can tell going on. I have no idea what's going on. So I got another vet, cat-only vet, and he, you know, they did sonograms, you know, looking for crystals and stuff. And this vet says a lot of times if a cat has sludge in its in its bladder, it won't show up. So he said, I think the best thing for us to do is to, he took the bladder out actually and cleaned all the sludge out and put it back in. And I'm telling you what, that was a hard surgery, the hardest surgery I've ever seen a cat go through. It took him a long time to recover. And I could tell he was in a lot of pain. So, but it fixed him, right? It, It was, it fixed him. He didn't pee outside the litter box and I could tell he was more comfortable once he healed. And, um, so then all of a sudden one day it started again. He started peeing outside the litter box and, you know, with blood and stuff. And I thought, I cannot put this cat through this again. He won't survive. I just knew he was not going to survive another major surgery like that. So I started Googling, you know, what what to do. And there was a uh, a blog site up called catinfo.org. And this veterinarian, she's retired now, she was a vet at the time, was a proponent of feeding cats raw food. And I thought, I will try anything. And, you know, she had stories that were similar to what I was going through. So at the time, there was no commercial raw cat food. It was way before that. And so I would buy ground rabbit from this little farm in New Jersey that she'd recommended. And I'd get five-pound logs of frozen ground rabbit with ground bones and organs and stuff. And then I'd get it and and I'd line the sink with, you know, with a trash liner, trash bag liner. And I would put egg yolk and psyllium husk and fish oil and B12 and taurine and all this stuff in it to get it, you know, where it was nutritionally complete. And it cured him. 
It absolutely cured him. He it it fixed what was going on with him in the moment, and he never had any other bladder or renal issues for the rest of his life. I mean, he died from a, a stroke, and and so, you know, I, I saw what dry food could do to a cat because it's just not suited for their species. They're obligate carnivores. They need protein, meat protein, that comes from not only just the, the flesh, the muscle meat, but also bones and organs, and they need water. And and that's about it. They really don't need much more. They really can't digest the carb load that's in dry food. And that mild dehydration that we're doing when we're feeding dry food really messes with them. It dries out their skin it makes their kidneys work over time. It, it's just, it's, and, and so I stopped feeding dry food that day and have never turned back. And that by far, you know, is the most harm I've caused the cat by not knowing any better and not providing, a, you know, a species appropriate diet. Well, you know, that makes a lot of sense because you do do a lot of preaching or I won't call it preaching, but, but you do do a lot of, uh, of communicating with people, letting them know that that's a real problematic situation about feeding, feeding dry food. Yeah. That. So yeah, I, I it's, can that be a problem. Yeah. It's true. And it is preaching. I mean, I do tend to preach about it because I feel so passionately about it. You know, I almost killed my cat over it and he was my, my love of my life at the time. And I, you know, yeah, it's a serious issue. And, you know, and, and, and it's not just the dry food and its issues. It's, it's the quality of the food that you're feeding. It just, cats are just like us. You know, you hear, we are what we eat. It's true for them too. And they're, like I said, obligate carnivores that need protein and water. So if we're not feeding them a high protein with meat protein diet and without all those other fillers and you know corn stuff in there and things they just can't digest then we're really not serving them well and i'm not saying everybody you know has to feed raw food i believe that that that's a most species appropriate diet but you know just a good quality canned food is you know the the cheapest nastiest canned food is a thousand times better than the most expensive bag of dry food out there so you know, that that was a mistake I made, you know, for years and years and years, serially, and uh, have have changed because of Indiana's condition. You know, we feed Pico, since you're talking on that level, uh, we feed Pico five times a day. Have you always fed so many meals? Like no, that? no. In fact, you know, I when I was feeding dry food, of course, I was doing the worst thing possible. I was free feeding dry food, which is so not natural for a cat. A cat doesn't in the wild doesn't just have prey lay down and go, okay, eat me. You know, they have to they have to work for it, and they are hungry between meals, so it's okay that your cat's hungry. But once I switched to canned food, you know, like everybody else, I was feeding two times a day, feed them breakfast and I'd, I'd feed them supper like we do dogs. That's the way we fed our family dog my whole life. And I just thought that's the way you fed your pets. Well, then about eight years ago, when I was in school for cat behavior certification, you know, I, I found out that cats eat in the wild. They eat 10 to 20 small meals a day. And it's always best to care for a cat 
you know, in, that's indoors to mimic what would be happening for them outdoors. Now, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's realistic to ask people to feed their cats 10 to 20 meals a day. But as you say, we feed Pico five times a day. We feed him smaller meals. Cats' stomachs are smaller in comparison to the rest of their organs than other species. So they get filled up quick. Their stomach is about the size of a ping pong ball. So think about that. If you're feeding more than a ping pong ball size of food, about a mouse, you know, portion of about one mouse, then it's more than that cat is going to be comfortable eating. Now, if we're only feeding twice a day, then that cat is liable to be gorging on its food and, um, you know, and just because it's worried that it's not going to get any more. So feeding frequency, that's a, that's a really good example of something I just didn't know. I didn't have any idea they ate 10 to 20 small meals a day in the wild. I mean, that I didn't know that. And when I, I learned it, I realized we're really doing them a disservice by feeding them, you know, two or even three meals a day. I recommend a minimum of four. And if you're having middle of the night problems, you know, meowing and trying to wake you up and stuff like that, five. We feed a, like we feed um, a food timer every night that goes off at 3 a.m. And that keeps him asleep all night. And we don't have any of those middle of the night nuisance behaviors. Yeah. And they were really bad with it few of those cats and uh, in fact the last one was real bad in the middle of the night and it was surprising I say that all the time surprising how you did that and it just stopped overnight I was that was, it was about three nights but yeah, yeah. it was quick <laughs> compared yeah. to all the years we put up with the, the yeah. crap from him in the middle of the night yeah <laughs> it was quick yeah. yeah so have you ever had or made an adoption mistake, adopted a cat that you wish you hadn't. Is that, have you ever had that mistake? Yeah, only once. Um, only once. Mm -hmm. I adopted a, a shy cat and I expected her to be different in the home. And again, I, I didn't know enough about cat behavior on this, was, gosh, it was probably 30 years ago or more. And uh, adopted her from the SPCA, and she was in a bottom kennel, and she had um, newspaper lining the kennel, and that newspaper looked like a Tasmanian devil had gone through there, and she was hiding under it. And she was really beautiful. She was a lynx point with blue eyes. And I fell in love with the way she looked, mistake, right? And and I thought, oh, she's just scared in the shelter. She'll be fine once I get her home, mistake, Right. And I and I didn't spend a lot of time with her in the shelter because I could see she was stressed and I didn't want to stress her out more. And I just assume she's going to be fine when I got her home. Wrong. And so, you know, this cat, it was a cat that, you know, I I never I named her Santa Fe and um, Santa Fe and I never bonded. She liked cats. So she was always a good friend with my other cats. But if I walked into a room or anybody, she would run and hide in a closet under the bed. Something I hardly ever saw that cat. And and she didn't change. You know, and she was probably, you know, a, a, a feral or unsocial street cat that I just didn't know well enough at the time and uh, thought for sure she'd be different out of the shelter. So that was the only cat that I really adopted and you know, I, I mean, she I gave her a nice, long, wonderful life. So in that in that instance, it wasn't a mistake. It was good for her. But um, 
it, it was not what I was looking for in a relationship with a cat. It wasn't why I adopted her. I really was hoping to have a, a relationship with her and I never did. So are there any other adoption mistakes you've made? Well, on the other end of that spectrum, there's certainly been several fosters that I didn't adopt that I wonder if we should have, you know, like Chipotle, Pico's little mini me. I mean, that Pico loved that foster and they looked identical and they were so cute together. Um, and, and, and another adoption mistake, something that would go into that category is when I adopted Santa Fe, that real shot cat from the SBCA, um, my husband at the time was out of town and I didn't consult him. <laughs> and I, I adopted her and I put her in the guest bathroom and I remember he got in late and in the middle of the night, he wakes me up and he was furious and he's like, is there a cat in that room? <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, yeah, there is. And oh my God, he was, he was mad. And, and uh, he said, how could you do that without, you know, without talking to me about it first? And I said, well, if I'd have talked to you about it, would you have wanted to adopt her? He said, absolutely not. And I said, well, okay, then I guess I'm just begging forgiveness. And, you know, <laughs> and clearly he didn't work out as well as that cat did. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think people should always consult their partner and make sure that you're adopting, you know, because it's a family decision and I made a mistake and didn't do that. And, and it, it was not good. It was, you know, very, very stressful on the marriage. And, um, he didn't like the cat and I was just stressing out the cat more. And so, another i'd put that under another adoption mistake wow i can see where that's probably a big consideration for a lot of people because a lot of times you know it is one of those things even the kids bring a, a pet home when uh, they haven't consulted the mom or dad or things yeah. like that i can see where that might be a big problem i've got friends that have like eight cats eight nine cats and they're always teasing and going well I'm going to keep this one because I don't think my husband even knows, would notice anymore. <laughs> like once you, once you amass a certain quantity of cats, then, you know, I guess the theory is maybe your, your partner won't notice <laughs> if it expands by one more. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So um, moving on just a little bit, because, you know, taking care of cats is, is kind of what you have done a lot of, and this is kind of a core to what your message may be also. So uh, what about caring mistakes? You take such really good care of Pico in every way, almost to the extent of being a helicopter mom style caring thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you even know what that is, but you know, okay. It's hard to imagine that you're making any kind of mistakes there. Well, I've certainly made my share along the way. Um, one I can think of in particular is I had a cat named Enzo, Enzo Ferrari. He was a, a, looked like a Russian blue cat and I let him in and out. He had cat door. He was an in and out cat. And I lived in an area where there wasn't super busy roads in, in Dallas and Oakland. And, uh, but there was an eight foot fence out back and he would jump up on a table I had out there and then up to the top of the fence. And when he would come back in, I saw him several times jumping down to the ground, the concrete floor from that eight foot fence. And he had bad arthritis later in life, you know, as, as he got older and I should have done 
a couple things. First of all, I should have enclosed that little backyard patio area and made it a catio so he would have been safer. He he never did get hit by a car. He lived ripe old age and uh, and was fine, but I, he'd have been safer if he'd have been inside the catio. And and if I wasn't going to do that, I should have at least built him little steps that went up so he didn't have to jump eight foot down to the ground because it did it it did definitely um, cause arthritis. I, I know he had bad arthritis in his front legs. And, you know, we've built a lot of catios since then. And even it, it behind the warehouse in Dallas, you know, we, we made that cat proof so the cats couldn't get out. And I mean, we even had a foster once, Marmalade, Marmalade, Marma Noodle, we called him. Noodle would climb that tree and, and would get up on the roof. So we had to build like a cage in the tree to uh, to keep him from going up on the roof. But, you know, we cat proofed that area and kept them in where they couldn't be out, out of sight and out of care. So say something about those catios a little bit more and, and building tree catios like we've done in the past well you know it it um it's i mean it's just a it it's a way to keep your cat safe and and close that's so much better than letting them run around free you know what i mean because they can get hit by cars they can get in fights with other cats all kinds of things. You know, another um, outside enclosure snafu that I had was I have a, had a townhome in Oakland that was three stories. This was after the other Oakland place where Enzo was jumping. But I, I had a third story balcony and I had cat boxes out there and I had a cat door, sliding glass door insert and the cats went out there. And the balcony, you know, was just a normal balcony with a railing and stuff like that. Well, I had a little foster. I came home, couldn't find him anywhere, looked everywhere. And the only thing I could think of was that he had fallen off that third-story balcony. And I went outside, and sure enough, there he was under a bush, a little shaken up. But other than that, not hurt. So I, you know, again, I first thing I did was I, you know, closed off the cat door and went and got some netting and put it all around that balcony so they couldn't get up there and then, you know, enclosed, put an awning up and enclosed that balcony so the cats couldn't slip and fall. I know he would, didn't jump off on purpose like, oh, look, there's a bird. Let me go sail off the balcony. He probably was up on the railing and, you know, just simply slipped and fell. So, you know, building an enclosed area and making sure your areas are, are securely enclosed, I think, are important lessons to learn. You know, other than food, have you had any care flubs that you haven't um, talked about yet that will impact health on your cat? Yeah, I had a big one. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, Tabasco, our cat previous to Pico de Gato, w was having some health issues. And I took him into the vet and, and they x-rayed him. And when they x-rayed him, she said, has this cat been in a a house fire or something like that. And I was like, why would you, why would you even ask that? And she said, because his lungs are really, she said, you know, look at all this stuff, his lungs, like he'd inhaled a bunch of smoke. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so the only thing that I had done that I could figure out is I'm one of those people that had like, you know, diffusers everywhere and those little timed scent things and 
plug-ins and the walls and scented candles burning. I'm mean, always like the every room to have scents in it. And I didn't realize until I had till really till that x-ray and the only thing I could think of um, was that all of these airborne scents, these air fresheners and things were damaging his lungs. You know, I had scentsy stuff burning and, and the, um, oh, what do you call those little French lamps? And, you know, I mean, I had different kinds of scents going all the time. And then I thought of, too about the floor, you know, I have, I have concrete floors. So fabulosa on the floor and stuff like that. And, and clearly it it took its toll on him because he we'd never been in a house fire and never had it could have been the only thing that was affecting him. Now he didn't die from it. He had cancer and and died from that instead. He had a cancer on one of his kidneys. But I I just felt horrible after I saw his lung X-rays and realized what I had done, not even thinking about it. So now we use cleaning vinegar on the floor. I use unscented cat litter. I use um, Tidy Cats, the clean clumping. We use only pet-friendly air fresheners and not much of them. So I have removed every plug-in in the house and every automatic spritzer. And I, you know, I, I only use certain candles that are absolutely pet safe and, and not in abundance and things like that. So... Our house doesn't smell as probably as nasty as it did before because it's got quality scent to it if there's any scent at all. But yeah, I would really tell people, you know, once you're done listening to this episode, get up and go throw all that stuff away. Absolutely throw it all away. Throw every plug-in you have and every air freshener that's not not cat-friendly. And we have a podcast about that. I We did a whole podcast on the impact of scents on cats be, because of this. So that brings us to another question. What about products? Uh, have you ever made any mistakes buying or not buying specific products? You know, when I was going through school, getting my certification, I learned about why cats prefer an uncovered litter box. I'd always had covered litter boxes, big ones. always made sure they were big because I tend to gravitate towards big cats, um, but they were covered. And at the time, I had one cat. And so, you know, I learned that a covered litter box in a multi-cat household makes cats a little unsure because they're worried that they're going to get ambushed. And I thought, you know, I can't imagine that it's going to make that much difference in a single cat household. But, you know, trying to be true to what I had learned, I removed the hood from the litter box. And again, I only had one cat. And I was shocked that it was like almost immediately Tabasco got friendlier. And and I thought, that is so weird. I hadn't even noticed that this was just one little thing he had to worry about. You know, because cats are both predator and prey, they do worry about things all the time. There, there's a certain level of that hypervigilance that's part of their nature. And I didn't realize that he was worried about it because he wasn't exhibiting it. He always used the cat box. It was never an issue. But apparently it was. It made a difference. I mean, he got friendlier. It's the weirdest things. And then... 
another product thing. You know, I used to buy those little tiny scratching posts. Like, oh, yeah, I got a scratching post. It's a foot tall. It's over there. Well, again, I had big cats. And, you know, they were always tearing up my sofas. I have leather furniture, mock leather furniture. Um, those nagas, those endangered naga hides that I have. Anyway, they would, and you know, they, I've had cats that would just stretch out on the back of the sofa and just rip it up. And that's because my scratching posts were too short. You know, I didn't realize, duh, that the scratching posts need to be able, tall enough to give that cat a full back stretch. So once I started buying, you know, 40-inch scratching posts and having really tall ones, well, then I didn't have a scratching problem anymore. So I just wasn't buying the right product. So is there anything else that you want to share about this so-called walk of shame? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is kind of sitting here confessing to all the horrible cat care I've given over the years, but it's been a lot of years, people. I'm old. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I, one important one too, again, that I, I learned, I didn't realize how important it is for us to simulate a hunting experience. I thought buying toys for cats was enough. Yeah, it's got lots of toys. Look over there. He can go play with those toys as often as he wants, but Cats in the wild will spend six hours a day hunting. So when we bring them indoors to live with us indoors, which I recommend, um, you know, they get pent up energy just naturally. And that pent up energy leads to a lot of behavior issues, a lot of destruction, aggression, all kinds of stuff, because they don't have the opportunity to simulate that hunting experience. They are hunters at their core right? They're little murdering hunters. <laughs> I mean, there have been studies done that show that cats will hunt and kill regardless of how hungry they are. You know, they don't just kill to eat. They kill. They're, they're natural born killers. They are cats. And so they need to do that. And when we don't do that every day, it's like a pressure cooker is building up of pent up energy in your cat. And and we're guilty of not doing that every single day like we should. Um, we we did it a lot when Pico was young because, oh, my gosh, he was young. <laughs> and now that he's a little older and more sedentary, we probably get lazy and don't do it as often as we should. But if you want a cat to thrive, you should be prey playing with it every day. The other thing that you can do to simulate that hunting experience that's not quite as interactive is to leave treat puzzles. You know, I like the little fishbowl style ones, the ones the cat has to reach in and scoop the treats out of. And we've got some really cool ones. Vitacraft has come out with a new one called the Puzzler. In fact, Pico stars in the marketing video for the Puzzler. And I take um, Vitacraft's meaty morsels or purse sticks and I break them up and I put them in that Puzzler and I leave them for Pico when, when we go. That way he's not as focused on, oh, they're leaving. Are they going to come back? Oh, I really miss you, mom. You know, where are you going? He's more focused on getting those treats out of that puzzler while we're gone. And then he's got a full belly and then he goes and sleeps. So treat puzzles are are super important part of that, helping your cat to to simulate, you know, that that hunting experience. You know, the, I, I guess the question I always have for myself is, am I going to live long enough to be a perfect cat mom? Because I'm I'm sure, I mean, I know I do a lot right now because I've really invested a huge amount in 
learning about cats and their nature and trying to then um, translate that into care. How do I care better for this cat in a health situation, in a product situation, and in every way so that this cat's going to live a, a long, happy, healthy life? And I'm sure that there are still things that I don't know that I haven't learned yet that I'll probably learn at the end of Peagle's life and, and will change in the next generation of cat if, if I live long enough. <laughs> wow. So this has been another great episode and it probably should have been retitled live and learn as opposed yeah, exactly. to the mistakes you've made. I don't know that those are mistakes because they really are. I mean, you're always, even from the time before you went and got your certification, you were always very uh, cognitive of the surroundings of the cats and taking care of them well. So yeah. so it's natural for us all to make mistakes, right? The important thing is you've learned from all of that and in many ways dedicated your remaining life to make sure other cat owners have good information. Yeah, that's the idea. That's the absolute idea. I mean, that's that's why I started this business as a nonprofit. I I couldn't I didn't go to school thinking that's what I was going to do at the other end, but as I was learning more and more and more information, I thought, why don't people know this? And this is why we don't take great care of our cats. It's not because we don't want to, it's because we don't know better. And so that's why I set it up as a nonprofit. I'm like, we got to get this information out there and share it with people so that there's, you know, and build this library of, this is our 217th, I think, episodes of, of podcasts. And we're going to keep doing them weekly. So that's the yeah. idea. Yeah. I'd like to invite our listeners to send any questions and anything. Molly loves to, uh, look at different uh, emails that get sent to her. So if you have any podcast ideas, she would love to look at that. And you can do that by sending an email to her. And her email address is molly at cattalkradio.com. You can also go there and find on Cat Behavior Solutions, Cat Talk Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and all other places i think it's everywhere now so yeah follow yeah, us but everything. follow us that's that's important i mean you know engagement is important but you know like our page and follow us too that that really helps us out a lot and there's another way you can help us out if you go to the website at cattalkradio.com or catbehaviorsolutions.org. Either way, we have a store uh, uh, that carries products. And uh, a lot of those products are are behavior-based. They have things like a flat bowl that, you know, their whiskers don't get tired when they eat. And we have some great wand toys for prey play. And we've got the little Vitacraft treat puzzles and stuff. So, you know, help us out there by picking up some stuff for your cat in the store. You know, and this everything we do is volunteer based. The the podcast, the there are no salaries paid out of Cat Behavior Solutions or Cat Talk Radio to anybody. We we donate our time and our lives to help you take better care of your cat and to help increase that bond between the two of you. And we're gonna keep doing it as long as shelter, shelter euthanasia is, is the number one cause of death in cats. Thanks for tuning in today. And until next time, keep calm and purr on. Yes, goodbye, everybody. Thank you. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. 
In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend. 